Good morning again, everybody. How are you doing? Doing okay. Doing good. I think we, uh, me and Stefan, were talking before the service. We're like, how many people do you think are coming out this morning? He said 60%. I think we out for New Year's, New Year's morning. We were debating like six, eight weeks ago what to do for New Year's Day. And uh, as we fell on the Sunday this year with, with Christmas Day, we have our Christmas Eve service. So it's amazing to, to celebrate uh, on that Saturday night. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Uh, you might be brand new to Oceanside Church. might be your first Sunday. Uh, yeah, just, just welcome here. Uh, we would love to meet you, connect with you, perhaps just introduce yourselves, uh, come up to the front later. Um, and yeah, we, we just love um, bringing in the new year. The new year that starts on January 1st isn't quite something that, you know, is written in Scripture that a new year starts then. Uh, but we do define the years that we count these days as defined by the years since Jesus arrived. So it's a fitting time to do it as, at Christmas to also change into a new year as well. And we're so looking forward to everything that God has for us as a church in 2023. And I would argue that God's ideas for what are greater than our own. Would you agree? I would say the, 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 how he wants to reach Nanaimo, what he wants to do in our congregation's lives, who he wants to save into this church, the baptisms that we're going to see this year, he's got a greater expectation of what he can do than we have in our own thoughts. And I just encourage you as you start out a new year, whether you're you know, with us here this morning, listening online, checking this out later in the week, is just to set your expectations on God, God's expectations. So much of the time, our expectations of what God might do on a Sunday morning or in the week is, is, the, is the high bar, the limit of what happens. Uh, but God is a limitless God. And he does radical things. He took, you know, 12 disciples and he changed the whole world um, through them and enabling them by the power of his spirit. And what God wants to do um, in our city and in our region is, I believe, going to be amazing. As well, I just, again, kids, you're in the service here this morning. Thank you for being with us. I'm going to try and shorten it up today uh, just uh, as a blessing to your parents who, ha who have to uh, meet those needs. Uh, you, you're, you kids are a good timer of how, lo how long a preach should be, for sure. Yeah, let's just bow our heads and, and pray before, before we begin here. Lord God, we just, we just pray as we open up the Word in a new year, Lord God, uh, that you would just speak powerfully, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just ask, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you just open the Scriptures here this morning? May, may it not be our own words, Lord God, our own interpretation, but would you just speak through the power of your Holy Spirit? And we just believe that, you know, that you are wanting to do a big work in people's lives here this morning, Father. You know, whenever we open your scriptures, there's never a missed word. There's never a dull moment. There's never a, a tool or that, that precise surgical tool that you don't want to wield in someone's life to, to heal and deliver, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you for your son coming at Christmas, Lord God. And we just celebrate this morning, Lord God, by opening the scriptures again. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. I've got to be a little careful because the, the kids are in the room here this morning, but we all have those beliefs that we've grown out of, right? That we've realized that were stories that were told to us as kids, and, and then over the years that um, you know, we've, we've gone through and we've realized, oh, that's just a story, that was just a tradition, that's just a thing that we that sort of man-made up so that we could understand the world better around us. 
We know for us in the church that Jesus isn't a story. He was a real person. He was a real son of God who came to dwell with us. But a funny thing that I want to start the new year with, uh, and I feel like I say that a lot, you know, whether at Easter or something else, I'm like, I feel like you're going to get an unexpected message here this morning for your New Year's Day preach. You might have expected something about new beginnings or anything like that. Uh, But actually, I want to talk a little bit about darkness, and namely, actually, somewhat a character who's introduced to us at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3, uh, which is the devil. And you might say that's a very strange way to start a new year, but it's actually what Jesus has to say about darkness and the devil actually has cause for massive celebration for us here today. And the reason I ask you that question of, you know, are there some beliefs that you think that you've grown out of, is that I think that 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 sort of person of the devil or Satan or a, a guy in a red pitchfork, you know, like living in some place in a cave far away, like that's probably something if we did a survey of our culture is like, does the devil exist or doesn't he exist? Um, it'd be interesting to see how those percentages came back. And the reason I say that is because through Jesus speaking in John chapter 8, he actually talks about the devil. And so we're going to open here this morning to John chapter 8, verse 44. And again, a very strange way to start a New Year's Day. But it will all make sense, I promise you, if you don't fall asleep before the end of the sermon. Uh, if you do fall asleep, have a, have a nice nap. Um, it says in John uh, chapter 8, verse 44, it says, and he's talking to some people around him at the time, he says, You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Jesus is starting off the new year a little harsh here. Okay. Um, He, speaking of the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. How many times did Jesus call Satan a liar in that verse? Can you count them? He does not stand in the truth. There's no truth in him. He lies. He's a liar. And he's the father of lies. Five times in about two sentences, Jesus goes on about the devil and the character of the devil, which he is a liar. I can't think of another place in the Bible where Jesus repeats himself five times in a row. Can you think of one? Maybe you can. Be quiet, because I think that's it. But Jesus repeats himself five times in a row. And I think the reason Jesus repeats himself five times in a row in this section of Scripture is because the devil, darkness, Satan, whatever title you want to use for this, for this creature, this created being, Jesus is very passionate about this person. Why is Jesus passionate about this person? Because it's the very reason why Jesus had to come, because of this person. So I think the reason why we're turning here today, the reason why Jesus repeats himself five times in a row is because I'm here because of this guy. If it wasn't for this guy in Genesis 3, I wouldn't have needed to come in this way. Jesus says a few things about the devil And again, the the devil, according to Jesus, is a real thing, a real created being. And Ethan, I think you've got some slides here for us this morning. 
the first point um, on who is the devil from here, uh, Jesus talks about the devil being a father. The first thing, he says he's talking to a group of people here, religious leaders at the time, and he's saying, you are of your father, the devil. Again, we're very used to being talking about God the Father, about we're being adopted into his, into his life, in his creation. But Jesus calls the enemy of God a father as well. Elsewhere in Scripture, we won't pull them up, and Ethan, just keep those slides up there. But in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, God uses another descriptor for the enemy. He says, the God of this world. So Jesus, uh, the Bible calls, you know, the devil, he calls him a father, and he calls him the God of this world. In John 12, 31, Jesus calls him the ruler of this world as well. So the devil is the father of this world, the God of this world, a little g God, because he's not a big g God, and he's the ruler of this world as well. And we're introduced to this concept of there being two fathers, that actually before we were saved into being with Christ under his fathership, we were actually enslaved under another father because of the fall. In Matthew 6, 24, uh, Jesus says this. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other as well. And indeed, that's true in our lives, when we have these two things in our lives, serving God or serving the enemy. Just to quickly to go through here, the second point of who the devil is, is he was the cause of the fall. He was the cause of the fall. If you don't know what the fall is because you're new to church, the fall is basically this time. You might have known about these two people, Adam and Eve. Well, this was Adam and Eve were created into this beautiful garden where they had perfect relationship with God. And then what happened? What happened? The enemy, the devil came along, uh, described in Scripture as a serpent, as a snake, and told a lie And it was a really convincing lie, and it was a lie that spoke to Adam and Eve's deepest desires and other things in their lives, and it captured them. The enemy, the devil, was the reason for the fall. The third part from John uh, uh, 8, verse 44, is that he was a murderer from the beginning. The reason that the devil's whole MO of what he does and how he operates was because he wants to murder to because he wants to destroy. In John 10.10, Jesus speaking about this in in another sense, he says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Indeed, Jesus came because of what this person did in Genesis 3. And the whole mechanism of how the devil works his business amongst creation is it the thing that Jesus mentioned the five times? He started in Genesis 3 with a twist of a command that God had said. And he said, surely you won't die if you eat of that fruit. That, that thing that God has put a limitation on, that the thing that God has put a boundary on, that thing that God has told you only to look at but not to touch, not to eat. Actually, you can go for that thing because he doesn't want your eyes to be opened. And if you know the story, Adam and Eve take, they believe the lie, and they go forward. Indeed, the devil is a liar. 
The reason why Jesus shouted that thing, and I believe he was talking in a stern tone when he mentioned this thing, you know, he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar. He's the father of lies. Can tell that someone who has some passion around this peace. Because indeed, the very thing that ruined God's perfect creation at the beginning of a new beginning, just like we're at the beginning of a new beginning, was a lie. And through that lie, it twisted, it brought shame. Adam and Eve, they realized they were naked, they hid from God, they ran away, they tried to distance themselves, and creation was broken in that moment. It's the reason why there is so much brokenness around us today. If we walk around Nanaimo, if we walk around the streets, it's, it's easy to think sometimes that we live these nice lives, but as we walk around even our city, we realize how broken we can be and humanity is sometimes. One commentator speaking on this passage said there's three implications of Jesus' teaching. And similar to these bullet points, it says he's real, he's immaterial, but he's an intelligent being. His end goal is to spread ruin in our souls and society. And his primary means of doing that is lies. Again, a lovely way to start New Year's Day. Welcome, children, to the service. How are you doing? Are you doing good? I promise you it turns into... Are you doing all right? Siri's doing good, too. Got to turn that off later. The devil's whole means of getting his way of destruction in God's creation is to tell lies. Why is it this, this important for us? Well, because the, the, the enemy, the enemy of God is still at work here today, even in our own lives, telling us lies. And the best, the enemy... He's the father of lies. Jesus calls him this name. If you were the father of something, say you were, I think Pele died recently. You know, you could say like, oh man, that was the father of modern soccer or something like that. That means you're the greatest at it. You're awesome at it. You're the, you're the king of it, right? And Jesus calls Satan the father of lies. And the best lies in our lives, well, they're based on a few things. What are they based on? The first thing that lies are based on is that they are filled with truth. A good lie to get someone to believe, you know, I remember lying to my parents as a kid about my homework and my grades and all this other stuff. The best lies, and I was a pretty good liar, I believe, because uh, I fooled my parents for some years about how I was doing at school, but the best lies are about 95% truth and about 5% a twisting of the truth. You distract the person with the 95% of stuff that makes complete and utter sense, and then you introduce the 5% of other stuff that twists it and, and conforms it. And even we see that with the, when the devil is talking to Jesus in Luke 4. It's, it's true, but he twists the truth. The second best lies that you can tell and the enemy tries to tell us is that they actually appeal to our desire for something that we want to be uh, taken out of bounds or taken out of limits. God in his creation, just like in Genesis 3, if you go read it, again, he's talking about that, that fruit that Adam and Eve are not allowed to eat. Uh, and, and the enemy goes, actually, you know what? Go ahead and eat it. You see, the father in his creation, we were created by God. And just like any father, just like my own kids, you put boundaries on them. 
boundaries to protect them, boundaries to help them, boundaries sometimes to, just to keep your own sanity, like bedtimes and stuff like that. But ultimately, you set boundaries as a parent for the child's benefit, for their prosperity, because you know that if they operate within these boundaries, that's going to be good for them because they were created to get sleep. They were created to meal, to eat, not just sugar. They were created you know, for all these good things, to have manners and other things that will benefit them. But our desire as little kids and as little adults as well sometimes is to throw off those boundaries, to throw off those limitations. The promise of of the lie that appeals to throwing off boundaries and limitation is the promise of freedom and pleasure in our lives. And we see examples all over this in society today. You know, marriage, you know, sex is no longer defined or or kept within marriage in our society. And we struggle with that ourselves. And that has many repercussions for us. And there's reality checks when humanity operates outside the boundaries that God has set up for, for us to dwell in. And it's boundaries and reality checks that even our society has come to accept Today, that is just something we deal with because of the rejection of those previous limitations and things like that. And the the promise is freedom and and pleasure. The promise of throwing away the rule book. The promise of throwing away limitations and boundaries. But actually, where we end up as humanity, as we enter into those things, is that we actually end up broken and hurting even more. The thing that was supposed to bring us freedom and pleasure actually brings us death and destruction. We think about the sexual revolution in the 60s, right? It was this, this thing of saying, actually, sex no longer has to be between a man and a woman within marriage. Actually, you can have it wherever you want. You can have it before marriage. You can have it after marriage. Maybe you can have even multiple partners, all of this stuff. And there was this, this thing of that, actually, we can enjoy this thing without limitations, without repercussions. But we know today in our society that there are many repercussions of living lives that way. Uh, the reason why abortion is such a hot topic in our society is because of the sexual revolution and free sex. In fact, if, if we limit ourselves to the boundaries that God had put on us, we wouldn't have to deal with these secondary issues, these really hard things to, to, to deal with and cope with. Without the imperfections introduced to us by the lie, we wouldn't have these secondary things like broken bodies, sexually transmitted diseases, and all these other things. The things that are supposed to bring freedom and pleasure, actually because they operate outside of how God created his creation to be, actually bring a stark reality check in the opposite direction. And much of our culture is based on figuring out those issues that we've created by operating outside of God's uh, limitations that we found uh, way too limiting, way too uh, narrow and bounding. The, be- the other type of lies that uh, the enemy tries to tell us, they're based off previous hurts. Right? How many of us have gone into relationships where we've struggled to trust the other person in a relationship because someone else, uh, uh, you know, hurt us in a previous one. You might be married to the the perfect person. Again, that person doesn't exist. That person is Jesus. You're not quite married to Jesus just yet. So you're not married to the perfect person, but based on a previous relationship, you might have a hard time trusting that person if, say, your previous spouse cheated on you or something like that. The lies that the enemy tells us is that you can't trust this person. You've now got to defend yourself. You can't let yourself be free around that person. Those lies, the promise that the enemy gives us is actually not a promise, but it's actually a promise of destruction and failure. And the reality check is that then we operate out of an operation method of living in fear, 
living in isolation because we push people away, and living in isolation from people and from God as well, like Adam and Eve. I've hurt God, I'm therefore I'm going to run away. I've hurt this person, therefore I'm going to rave. The best lies that the enemy tells are based on our previous hurts. He uses them against us. And the ultimate lie, maybe, is that lead us to cycles of addiction. The promise at the beginning of an addictive cycle, if you've ever been addicted to something in your life, is that it's the promise of relief and escape. Indeed, it was in my life when I suffered um, with a pornography addiction for many years, is that it was this promise that I would escape, I would relieve the stress in my life, I would be just, just, you know, it was only something that affected me, it didn't affect anybody else or anything like that, but the lie of it that it would lead to relief and escape, but actually, it led to slavery, it led to chains, it led to the complete opposite freedom that the enemy promised um, through, through the lies there. Am I making sense here this morning? The reason why I want to talk and start a new year is because I believe that this is a subject that Jesus is passionate about, is how the enemy operates in our lives. And the greater news is that, just like that picture that God gave us in the, in the service there, is that even in the power of Jesus' little pinky toe is greater than any power that the enemy could have over us. The greatest news for us here this morning is that Although there are many repercussions for things that we might have done, there is a greater power within Christ Jesus, and it's the reason he came. Jesus, throughout his ministry, told us not to be led astray by the enemy. It was a topic of most importance for the New Testament writers. In Matthew 24, verse 4, Jesus speaking, he says, See to it that no one leads you astray. The world is full of people trying to lead you astray down both the left and the right and all these other things. It's not a political message. This is just a thing of the world likes to lead us astray. And the New Testament writers that followed up the gospel warned about 40 different times about how not to be led astray. Don't be led astray. Don't fall into that. Don't fall into this. Follow Jesus. Put that stuff down. Follow Jesus. In Colossians 2, verse 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit or according to traditions or according to elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. There are many things that can distract us, that can twist us, that we can get caught up in. And one writer, John Mark Comer, says this. He says, I'm researching this. He says, Our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds. Again, I'm going to read that again. Our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from their captivity to lies. Our minds were held in captivity to lies and liberate them with the weapon of truth. Our primary struggle with the devil is to take back our minds and liberate them with the weapon of truth. As I said earlier, Jesus talks about the devil as, he, as he's a father. And I want to say, if the devil is the father of lies, Jesus is the father of truth. In John 14, Jesus talking about himself, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Big words for someone to say about themselves. Am I right? Indeed, it's the very words that got Jesus nailed to the cross at Easter. That's coming in a few months if you didn't know the story. 
If the devil was the father of lies, Jesus is the father of truth. And speaking to them in John 8, a little bit earlier um, than when he mentioned about the devil and the, the lies and all that other stuff, he said, so Jesus said to the Jews that if you believed in, uh, that believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth of Jesus will set you free. The reason why I want to start 2023, hey, that rhymes, it must mean it's divine, no. Uh, the reason why I want to start 2023 with talking about the enemy and his lies he tells is because Jesus says the opposite. He says, actually, there is freedom for people who believe my truth. The enemy's lies cannot stand against the people who are listening to my truth more than his lies. Amen? And in verse 36 of that same chapter, it says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that's the promise for us here today. If the devil wished to enslave us, Jesus's, Jesus' promise is to set us free. Now, we're actually continuing our series that we begun at the beginning of December. Does anybody remember what the series was called? Again, it's New Year's Day. It's hard to remember these things. You've had eaten so much food that you're just in like a gigantic sugar cache right now. What is that, Anne? Perfect. Why did Jesus come? Thank you, Anne. I'm glad you're here this morning. Why did Jesus come? We're continuing that here today as we begin the new year. Why did Jesus come? And this very awesome thing that I think is going gonna, is gonna to stir our kids' hearts up here is based on 1 John 3. The title for us today is that Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? Well, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. My, my Zion's got a new uh, Bible uh, for Christmas this year. We got him a new Bible, and he picked it out at the, the Christian bookstore. And it's this, it's, this, it's this one that's like written like comic books. It's, it's called the Action Bible. And man, it is gruesome. I'm like, what? I, I asked the guy at the time, like, how appropriate is this Bible for a five-year-old? He's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Man, it's, it's full of like some, some Old Testament stuff in there, but written like an Action Bible. But man, Zion actually loves seeing the seriousness of what's going on and the fighting and the lions and all this other stuff and what's going on. And I want to say, kids here this, this morning, is that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Sometimes we think of just that Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to give you life. Jesus came to all this other stuff. And yes, that's true. But the opposite is also true, that Jesus came to destroy the devil and everything he's done. And I think that's good, good news to, for us to, to, to us to develop in this morning. So if you have it on the screen there, Ethan, 1 John 3, 8, he says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. The devil has been sinning since the beginning. Oh, sorry. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Man, there is good news there for us. The first bit of good news is that Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil. And we know that, again, that writer N.T. Wright said, if, we, if, we, if it wasn't for Easter when Jesus nailed himself to the cross, when Jesus got on the cross, other than that people nailed himself, but he, he willingly let himself be succumbed to the cross. If it wasn't for Easter, we would never remember Christmas. Jesus came on the cross, and that's when we saw ultimate victory 
over every scheme of the devil. But we know that for us today, that the battle rages on. Again, John Mark Homer says this, if Jesus' victory over the devil, Jesus' victory over the devil was like D-Day to World War II, the decisive battle that marked the beginning of the war's end. The devil's fate was sealed on the first Easter, just as Hitler's was sealed on June the 6th, 1944. But there are still many miles to cover to reach over our equivalent of Berlin. In the interim, the devil is like a wounded animal, a dying dragon more dangerous than ever. Contrary to popular artistic imagings, the devil is not in hell, he's here on earth. And if Jesus' anthem is on earth as it is in heaven, the devil's is his own, which is on earth as it is in hell. And again, we're presented with this image that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, but we know that the battle rages on. We can see it in Nanaimo, we can see it in our own lives, we can see that when when we talk to each other at Connect Group, that the battle rages on. And those works of the devil that are in work in us through those lies, through those addictions that still hold us captive here today, through the cycles of hurt that we can't figure out in our relationships, and the list could go on and on. And if we walked around Nanaimo, we would see the devil in our city, those lies in our city that have led to abuse of many innocent people, that have led to addiction, hopelessness, division and disunity, broken family, broken marriages, even crime itself because of the lies that the enemy is telling the people of the city of what they need. But because Jesus has to come to destroy the works of the devil, the things that he would try to do, there is great hope for his church here today. Would you agree? And you have permission as a people to stop living under a rock. We as a people have permission to stop living like this faith is just for us and us alone. We like this, these words of like, we have a personal relationship with Christ. And yes, we have a personal relationship with Christ, but the enemy would love, it to love us to keep it personal to ourselves. But actually, if Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, then we need to share this for people who are living under the oppression of the works of the enemy. Would you agree? In our families, in our offices, in our streets, in our neighborhoods, Jesus is looking to do that destructive work to what the enemy has gained in his kingdom. The good news for us this morning is that Jesus has come to destroy the devil, everything that he's done, and liberate the captives who are held under that old king. And just as we finish up here this, well, you know when a pastor says finish up, it's a complete lie. Uh, but it's a good lie. It's just to give you hope, right? It's, just a, it's a white lie. <laughs> Would you have faith? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, we're doing good. I want to say five. What are five ways, because we like things that we can write down sometimes. What are five ways that we can do some of that work along with Jesus to destroy the works of the devil? My, again, my son's favorite gifts for Christmas is usually weaponry. And I believe that God has put that in us sometimes as men because he wants to put us to, at a fight against something, a fight for good, a fight for, on Jesus' side. And we know, like, looking at the person of Jesus, when I'm talking about, hey, we get to liberate Nanaimo, it's not going and smashing them over the head and saying, hey, be blessed. No, it's actually going with love, going like Jesus came, sacrificing himself for the benefit of others. But Ephesians 6, verse 14 says this. It says, stand therefore... And this is where he's talking about the armor of God. But then uh, the Apostle Paul says, having fastened the belt of truth, we get this concept that truth is something that we actually have to put on. When you get up in the morning, where are your pants? 
They're in the dresser. If they're like me, they're on the floor next to the bed because you mostly wear the same pants every day, and that's the most efficient way to do it. But your belt of truth is something that you actually have to put on because we know, church, that actually the world's truth is something that is constantly being thrown at us, thrown at us night and day uh, through our phones, through other things, through any, every which way. The world is trying to amplify its truth and the truth of God has to be put on. Stand there for having, having fastened the belt of truth. And Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. The belt that we need to put on, the yoke of slavery that we need not go back under the oppression of, is the lies of the enemies that he is still trying to tell us. The lies of the enemy, he tried to tell them to Jesus himself. So don't think that we can get off scot-free. So five ways that we can destroy the devil's works or the devil's lives in ourselves and the world around us. The first thing for us, church, is that, and again, this is going to be a bit of a Sunday school sort of five things, but from the life of Jesus, we see that the first thing is that it's Scripture, Where do we get our truth from? The primary place that we get our truth from, church, is from Scripture. In Luke 4, uh, verses 1 to 12, before Jesus begun his earthly ministry, what happened? He was tempted by the devil. We see this interaction within Scripture where Jesus is being tempted by the devil. It says in Luke chapter 4, you can leave that up, Ethan. He says, And and Jesus, full of the, the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Again, this really odd thing of the Holy Spirit leading him, but then the devil tempting him. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, obvious, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to come to become bread. And Jesus answered him, as it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. Again, the devil knows he reigns over the earth, but it has been delivered to me, and I, will, and I give it to whom I will. If you will then worship me, it will be yours. But Jesus answered him, As it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Church, as we go into 2023, and I think if we take a moment, we can realize as we look back how we've been held captive in in recent years. Sorry, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about how in our personal lives we can get held captive by things how we can get held captive by worries, how we can get held captive um, by anxiety, how we can get, you know, those cycles of addiction, those other things. We can recognize looking back how, how lies have been told to us. And church, it's important for us to know as we step into a new season that God has a way out for us. And the first way out is through his scripture. And we need truth from scripture because the enemy even likes to come with his own truth He likes to twist even Jesus and to tempt Jesus. Indeed, the very core temptation when we are tempted, it's the the enemy trying to align us to a different truth and saying, actually, this will satisfy you. This This will give you pleasure. This will be the ultimate thing. You can do it and still have a relationship with God. Don't worry. But Jesus knew his scripture more than the devil knew it. He knew how to wield it. He knew how to use it. He knew it was living and active and to pick up the parts um, that were aligning for that. The second point, and we see it all throughout Jesus' ministry, 
Even though Jesus was God, Jesus consistently prayed. And if going to Scripture is getting truth from the Word, prayer is getting truth by asking the Father of truth itself. If we seek truth, if we're escaping lies, why wouldn't we go to the Father? In James verse 5, again, talking about, uh, James 1 verse 5, talking about asking God, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who will generously to all, gives to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. I believe that God wants us to pray for truth. In Matthew 6, when Jesus is teaching about prayer, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, delivering us from temptation is knowing the greater truth, being secure on that greater truth. And Psalm 86, verse 11 and 12 says, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. And then verse 12 says, I give thanks to you, O my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. And Psalm 86 does a great job of tying this thing of, Lord, Can I ask for truth? Will you teach me your ways with this thing of thankfulness? And I want to say the piece of having thankfulness, Wes mentioned it today as well. Thankfulness is the third way that we can hold secure to the truth of Jesus over the lies of the enemy. So many times I might wake up in the morning with an anxiety on my heart, with something that is like just terrifying me at that moment of like this worry, this doubt, this other thing. But I've found in recent years as I've taken those things and then recited things that I'm thankful for in my life, testimonies that God has done time and time again, I can then go back to the enemy and say, hey, look what Jesus did with that. Look what Jesus did with that scenario. I could even mention the scenarios of what he's done in other people's lives. Look at what Jesus did at that church. Look at what he did with that pastor. Look at what he did over here. You can destroy the schemes of the enemy by just being thankful to God for what he's already done in the world around you and in your own life. Colossians 3 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You can't go to battle with the enemy without being thankful for what he has done. It destroys the enemy's plans because the way he operates is distracting you to the lies of what the worry and the doubt is going to be. But when you go back to what God has already done, you can see that God is bigger than any of those things. The four things, and this is not in the order of importance. This is just in the order as I was researching. It says John 16, verse 13 to 15. It's the Holy Spirit. Indeed, when Jesus is introducing the Holy Spirit to his disciples at the end of his earthly ministry, he introduces the Holy Spirit and he gives the Holy Spirit an interesting title at that time. He says in John 16 from verse 13, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. If we're looking to escape lies, if we're looking to escape cycles, if we're looking to escape addiction then we need to go to the very Holy Spirit, which is called also the Spirit of truth. Jesus says, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for what he will take is mine and declare to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, 
Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Church, we have scripture, we have prayer, we have testimony, but we also have the Holy Spirit, probably the greatest thing on that list so far. And the last thing that I want to say and encourage you with is that we have the person of Jesus as we go. Indeed, truth in the flesh. It can sometimes be hard to open our Bibles and to read Romans and to read Ephesians and and to discern truth at times if we're just by ourselves. But so often I'm encouraged by looking at the person of Jesus for how to act in a certain scenario or situation. What would Jesus do? We shouldn't have stopped wearing those armbands from the 90s and everything. I think I saw one recently. I'm like, wow, maybe it's making a resurgence. Stefan, is that, was it on your wrist, Stefan? Hey, he's got one. Perfect. You got something to hand out as well? No. Okay. You can make your own, I'm sure. But we have the person of Jesus. Jesus was truth in the flesh. God knew that we needed to be saved. He knew that we needed a Savior. But he knew that we would best understand God through having a physical person walk beside us who was the very image of God. John chapter 14, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We've said this before. No one comes to the Father except through him. And later in John 18, when Pilate is asking Jesus, so are you a king? Jesus answers him, you say that I'm a king. And for this purpose, I was born Sorry, and for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. If you've met Jesus, you've met God, and you've met the very truth of God. So when we struggle with knowing what to do, we can go back to the person of Jesus as well. Sound good? The reality is, church, is that all these things will take time. All these things will take meditation. All these things will take Practice. All these things will take patience. If you're going to practice like Jesus did, we need to carve out those times. The world isn't very forgiving with our time. Most of us, when you ask how our week's been, we use the same word. We say busy. I want to say that sometimes busy is a failing grade of how to live our lives under God. If we're too busy, if we're too caught up in things, then we're missing sometimes the truth that God has for us. And yes, there are times when Jesus was busy, but yes, there were also times when he went away, where he got with God, where he got with the scriptures, where he prayed to his Father, where he met with the Holy Spirit. All these things, Wells, is geared against we're going to need to spend time with. Five ways that we can destroy the devil. Wes, are you okay with the band coming back up? Yeah, if the band would like to come back up, I would say that there was a couple great songs in there that uh, were about Yeah, darkness, the enemy fleeing, and all this other stuff. And the encouragement that I want to end with here, church, as we end the service and as we think about the new year, as we think about other people in our lives, as we think about our city, is that this year, just like any other year, like a good resolution shouldn't really start on January 1st. It should start as soon as you think of it. But this year, we need to stand with the truth of God over the lies that the enemy would try to tell us. That image that, that God introduced the devil with in Genesis 3. And remember what it was? It was a snake. It was a serpent. I don't know if you've ever had in your life a, a season where you just feel like you're being attacked by the enemy. In my life, when I've been through those seasons, it's, it's felt as a constrictive force on my life. 
felt like I'm suffocating, felt like I just, yeah, I would say the chief term that when I've, when I've really felt attacked by the enemy, it's felt with that constriction, that tightening. And God wants to say, he wants to set you free from that. I want to say if you're here today and you, you can recognize that in your life, that actually I feel like something is suffocating me. We would love to pray with you. We would love to lay hands on you. We would love to hear your testimony, your story of what's going on and to walk with you in truth. Because the way the enemy operates is he tells lies. <laughs> the cure to a good lie is truth. The cure to a good lie is truth. Again, Jesus introduces the enemy. What he says, he's like a thief who comes to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. I want to say in our city, in your lives, the enemy has stolen enough, don't you think? The enemy has stolen enough. And the opportunity for God to move is too great. We will, let's give him permission to move in ourselves and let him start with us. In Nanaimo, that God wants to, to destroy the works of the enemy in Nanaimo. And I'm not talking about people. I'm not talking about that God wants to destroy people. I'm saying that God wants to save people from lies. God wants to save people from addictions. God wants to save people from hopelessly uh, going after paychecks and all these other things that, that, that satisfy for a little bit, but then lead us down an empty road. And church, we need to pay attention to people who are poor in spirit, who are meek, who are humble. Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount talking about those groups of people saying, theirs is the earth and everything in it. Theirs is the kingdom. God wants us to hunt for those people and pay careful attention to them because they are so often the people who are ready to receive the love and grace of God. People who are down and out, people who have lost it and are tired of following their own means. And in 2 Corinthians 3, the apostle writer says this. He says, now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom, where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in this, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From this come, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What is that talking about in the, in the Scripture? First, he's saying, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We need freedom as we go into a new year, church. I want to say where you felt captive in 2022, bring it to God today. This day, bring it to God. Because there's no use spending one more day living under a lie, held captive to an addiction or anything like that. And it's a, it's a road we walk. Sometimes God heals in an instant. Sometimes he heals in a journey, right? But he often does it and he primarily does it with people around you. We can't do this by ourselves. In verse 18, it says, being transformed into the same image. And it talks about with unveiled face. That thing of being unveiled, the veil that was over our eyes before that was the lies of the enemy. But now through Christ, we can see God. Now through his Holy Spirit, we can see God. We can experience the truth. And we can be transformed from this fallen man into the heavenly man. And in my life, my wife would attest, it's not quite taken place yet. And it's going to take me seeing Jesus face to face for it to fully be apparent. But I'm an idiot and a fool if I think that I have to stay stuck in the same ways that I was stuck in yesterday. 
because I can see Christ. I can spend time with him and I can be transformed. It says that those who put their hope in that purify themselves as they are pure. That actually by hoping in Christ, by looking at him, by seeking his truth, just that hope of one day I'm going to be transformed by seeing Christ, that actually purifies us in that truth. In this New Year's Day, we don't pick resolution. We pick transformation by truth. The devil wants to constrict and suffocate. Don't hide from God like Adam and Eve did. He's searching after you. He's calling your name. He's seeking you out and he wants to set free. The truth will set you free. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Church, let's worship. Let's not rush on too quickly. Again, what I want you to do is just ask God to reveal. And you know, God is so gentle. <laughs> remember hearing this testimony of one lady um, giving her testimony and she had a very rough life and she was the testimony of God just working on one thing slowly after another. He, she was like, you know what, when, when God saved me, he didn't try to fix me all at once. He didn't ask that I come to him fixed all at once. He, he, he let me know about something, then he healed it. Then he let me know about the next thing, then he worked through me and healed it. Then he, slowly this road goes. And sometimes the lie of the enemy comes and says that you're not worthy. Well, guess what? You're not worthy. <laughs> Except the devil tries to twist it as you're not worthy and can never be made right with God. But the God's truth is you're not worthy and I've made you right with God by my son. So instead of looking to yourself, look to Jesus. Because in him is how you're going to appear one day. And we who put our hope in that purify ourselves. Church, let's not rush on. Ask God to reveal just one thing of what the enemy was lying to you about last year. And we would love to pray with you or seek out people around you who to pray with. Love to do that with you here today. Is that okay? Amen. Thank you, church.